This episode is sponsored by Clinic Concierge. Are you tired of wasting time in a doctor's office for routine care? Then you need Clinic Concierge, providing aesthetic services as well as urgent and primary care services right in your home. Check out their website at clinicconcierge.com or call them at 214-502-5444 and you can find them on Instagram at Clinic Concierge. Clinic Concierge, the healthcare experts that come to you. Welcome to the Bubble Lounge. I'm Martha Jackson. And one of the main reasons I started the Bubble Lounge podcast is because I've lived in the Park Cities for almost 20 years. And I absolutely love it. There's so many great schools. There's beautiful architecture. There's so many parks, so many things to do, so many local businesses. But I didn't necessarily know the story in the background for all of these components. Well, recently, Jessica Perno posted on Park Cities Chatter that her husband had taken it on himself to do a whole lot of historical research on the park cities and I read it and I was so blown away guys this man who has not lived in the park cities very long at all moved here from New York and he has discovered so many interesting fun facts about the park cities that many people who have lived here their whole life didn't know and I was so impressed that I invited Eugene Vainshell to join us on the podcast today so Eugene welcome to the show Martha thank you for having me So I have been wanting to do an episode on the history of the Park Cities for as long as I can remember. And it just is a matter of slowing down and doing the research. But you have done the work for me, and I'm so excited to have you here today. Well, you know, it's it's been exciting how many people have actually taken the time to read it. And I didn't realize it was going to get that kind of feedback, so I'm really excited to discuss it today. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, you did an excellent job of really digging in and getting to know the place. And you discovered so many things that a lot of people that have lived here their whole life didn't even know. So you moved here just a couple years ago, right? Yeah, we moved to Dallas about two years ago, right before the pandemic. Um, You timed that right? Yes, yes, (laughs) yes. We had a phone call, some discussion took place, and then we moved. (laughs) <laughs> from Washington, D.C. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, so moved here about two years ago. Before that, uh, lived in um, pretty in New York City my whole life, originally from Brooklyn. Uh, before that, my family immigrated actually from Ukraine. So when they opened up the ex-Soviet Union, we came to New York. And uh, now me and the family are in Dallas. Okay. Well, I couldn't help but notice that you have a motorcycle helmet with you. Did you ride a motorcycle here today? Uh, yes, I, you know, I, I'm all about safety, but for the car, it'd probably be too much. <laughs> but you know what is, I've noticed that everybody's got a golf cart in the community. It is starting to catch on. They, it, that wasn't the case a couple of years ago. And like, we don't have a golf cart, so we're sort of using the motorcycle as a oh, neighborhood golf cart. I love it. Yeah, no, it's fun. That's so great. Well, let's start with um, Highland Park. That's yeah. kind of where your report started. What did you find interesting about what you learned? Sure, sure. If I could take a quick step back and just kind of tell you kind of what motivated me, because I think a lot of people are in that same uh, predicament. So before moving to Dallas, we lived in a neighborhood called Paula's Hook. It's uh, right across the river from uh, Battery Park. It's got a big Colgate clock, if anybody knows the area. And literally, we had a view of downtown New York City from our living room and from our bedroom, a straight on view onto the Statue of Liberty in Ellis Island. And every single day we were like, we got to visit the Statue of Liberty. We got to go visit Ellis Island. Let's find this out. Let's do that. And as sort of a native New Yorker, you want to do these things and you never do. Yeah, I feel the same way. Right? Mm-hmm. And then after we moved, it, that kind of stuck with me. And I really felt bad because I thought we, we missed an opportunity to really experience something. Because we're not going to go back and do it now. 
And then once we landed in um, Highland Park, I think I was really taken back by the area and just how beautiful it was. And I was like, there's no way this just happened overnight. There's got to be a, a history there. And that really kind of motivated the whole project. Yeah, um, it is such a beautiful area and it such, has such a rich history. And I read your report and really enjoyed it. And tell me, uh, how did Highland Park start? <sighs> like a, a little bit of a historian <laughs> now. You know, it all started with a man and a vision. I mean, I think that's the most amazing part. You know, like when Mr. Armstrong uh, purchased that plot of land, I guess, on Preston. What amazed me is that this man had a vision of something like a mirage that didn't exist. And he saw the future. And I wonder what he would say now if he could see what that vision has blossomed into. I think he would be more than impressed. He would be blown away. Blown away. And this was back in 1906, right? 1906. Wow. There's nothing here. There's really no downtown Dallas. This is all rural uh, farmland. So imagine you seeing a plot of land. You're like, you know what? This is an incredible community. I see homes. I see shopping malls. I see families. And how did he even connect with uh, uh, Wilbur Cook, the guy that was designing Beverly Hills? So, so he knew about that project and called him to Dallas to kind of, you know, apply his magic. But this is 1906. There's no internet. There's no television. There's barely any radio. How does a man from Dallas at that time even find out about that project? You know what I mean? Right. Like the, kind of the luck of the draw and the timing. Yeah. And then they started, did the plan. From my understanding is um, when uh, the architect, uh, Cook, did the initial kind of uh, design. He did it mostly from topographical maps. Imagine, oh, wow. imagine that imagination, just looking at maps and visualizing it. Did it one time, left, and never came. He was so confident in what he kind of delivered that he never came back to look at it again. That is crazy. He's batting a thousand. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I also love how the uh, Highland Park Village was uh, inspired from his visit to Spain, right? Yes. So he had um, two sons-in-law that were kind of a big uh, participants in the in the early year, uh, Flippin and Prather. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I'm saying his name is right. And we, they have two parks named after them right now, actually, yes. which I didn't realize. And I'm kind of looking at these parks with a new set of eyes. And they, I think it's the prototype for that kind of a modern little mall design of all the stores facing in, parking, the loading areas in the back, the first in, in its country, in the country of its kind. And I believe the inspiration was a trip to Spain that they took and that architecture. And you can see it now. It really kind of inspired it. And I think it hasn't lost that look over the last, what, 80, 100 years. Right. It's They've incredible. They've done a really good job of keeping the integrity of the time. And I, it's an absolutely beautiful place and it's turned into a tourist trap. <laughs> Unfor I guess maybe, I, mean, I was one of those tourists recently, so I don't want to say unfortunately, <laughs> those tourists. <laughs> uh, but what I think is amazing about the plaza is that when you don't realize what it is, you're sort of approaching it and it's, okay, it's cute, it's nice. But then when you walk inside and you look at the, the collections of stores, I mean, you see this on like, you know, in Beverly Hills or Monaco or Dubai. You don't expect it here. Right. Right. And when right. you see it, it's like that's another clue. Like, OK, what's going on in this community? What is this community all about? This is you don't you know, this is a unique atmosphere. So that was also like incredible to kind of get the history of that. Yeah, not too long ago, I was having lunch at Me Casino with a friend, and she just stepped back, and she was looking out the window, and she said, can you put things in perspective? I was like, uh, I'm sure I could. Why? What, what's going on? She goes, we are sitting here having lunch, and there's Hermes, there's Valentino, there's Prada, there's all these, like, just over-the-top luxury brands, and we don't give it a second thought. 
I was he, like, no, not at all. I'm so used to it. I don't, I don't even acknowledge it. You know what is it, it? You're totally right. And I felt as I was doing the research that I was sort of slowly zooming out. Like I was at street level, and then I got a little bit higher and a little bit higher. And having that elevation, sort of, so to speak, gives you a completely new perspective. But more importantly, an a, appreciation. Right, like when you appreciate the neighborhood, you want the standards to be maintained. You want it to be beautiful. You want it to be peaceful. You want the tennis courts to be nice. You want the pool to be wonderful. You, all of these things, right. you like, and you hold yourself to a higher standard. I want to look a certain way. I don't want to litter. I want to pick up my dog poo. Right, it kind of like a like a team. That attitude spreads. But if you don't have the appreciation for how we got here, at least for me, you're not going to appreciate what it is. And you're not going to put the same effort into it. Right. I agree. It's it's anytime we get a violation for our trash can lid being off, I, I get irritated. But then I think to myself, you know what? That's what makes this place so special and so nice. If every trash lid was off and flying around in the alley, this place wouldn't look as nice. So you're so right. It takes all of us to chip in. And we actually had the mayor of Highland Park on a couple of years ago, Margot Goodwin, and she was saying how hard it is for people in Highland Park to deal with change. Anytime that they propose a change, mm. people really put their foot down and don't want to do it. You know, I think uh, I think I could appreciate it. I think that's a innate quality of human nature like you know we don't like initial change and even if a situation is uncomfortable we get used to it and we keep doing it over and over again um but i think you know really to me it's a matter of trust if you see if you have somebody in office that has delivered in the past that has a track record whatever decisions they made and say look guys you can trust me i'm transparent and look at the projects that i have done i think people distrust meaning like when you're fighting change there's a distrust you think the present is better than what the future is going to hold. But if you have that trust, you're willing to let go a little bit more. So I think having that relationship between the leaders in the community and the residents would allow those projects to run a little bit smoother. Maybe it's a fantasy, but I think hopefully right, it could help. I see what you're saying. So what is your favorite thing about Highland Park that you discovered in your research? <sighs> I mean, that that is a tough question. But I'll tell you this. What, what I really love about it is that if you think you know it driving in a car, you've missed 70% of it. The beauty of Highland Park are these little nooks, these little enclaves, these little blocks almost. I'm not talking about like, you know, driving up and down Beverly. It's incredible. But there's these little special streets that I found. And especially if you're riding a bike, for any bike riders out there, like you make a turn and it's like there's a change in landscape, change in houses, change in elevation. And it's like it's these amazing little moments that you get to experience. And there's so, ma so many of them, right? It's not a kind of like a master plan community cookie cutter. Mm -hmm. It's nature. Right. Like right. Man didn't force it. Man, man built around what was already here. And I think you can see that. And I think it's discovering those special little moments and being able to come back and enjoy me, enjoy them again is what I really enjoy right. the most. Yeah, it sounds like you're really taking it in and really noticing all the small things. I love that. You have to, right? It's yes. like Because everybody's, look, even if you live here, maybe you're looking to move, maybe you're looking to upgrade, downgrade. And while Highland Park is not big, it's big enough to get lost in. Because I know when we moved here, we had no idea what Highland Park meant, University uh, Park, Park Cities, what that area meant. You know, like like in your mind, there's no map. It takes a little bit of time and really kind of, you know, pedaling or feet to the ground to kind of get that mental landscape. But once you have it, you have a kind of a f uh, vision for the future. Whether you want to move a house for your kids or anything or an investment opportunity, it's a completely different perspective. Right, right. 
Well, it sounds like University Park came along a few years later. So I assume that there was this big vacant piece of land and they looked over and said, hey, we got to do something with that too. Yes. I, uh, from what I remember, um, the or- it, it was a community formed around SMU. And then at some point in time, during a period of time, SMU was providing the utility services for the community. And then it started to attract more people and it kind of outgrew what, the S- what SMU could do. Right. And now they faced a very similar dilemma to Highland Park. It's like, what do we do? There's really only two options. Either you take care of the problem yourself or you incorporate into the city. You get annexed into the city and then you offload those responsibilities to the city. And I don't know if you had a chance to see, uh, read uh, another article I have about uh, Bluffview, Greenway Parks, and um, Preston Hollow. I haven't read that you one haven't yet. Have, but the point is that those communities had a very similar beginning to Highland Park. And the difference between them, those communities today and Highland Park, and I mean uh, Park Cities, is that those communities could not solve their municipal challenges. And they were forced to take the deal when Dallas approached them and said, hey, come join us and we'll do this for you. Those could have been independent enclaves as well that with their own so school, school, school districts. And the fact that this community was, I'm talking about both of them, Park Cities, was right. able to solve the municip- municipal issues is what really allowed them to blossom and to be what it is today. That was the key component. That was the key component, exactly. And I think it, it's a testament to the kind of people and their attitude that was like, you know what, we're not. it's probably easier to offload it to somebody else, but we understand what comes along with that. There's a price tag. We're going to try to tackle it ourselves. And they right, have. Right. Our founding fathers, if you will, really, really could figure it out. They were very smart people. You know, I think that's a great way of looking at it. <laughs> and then, you know, my daughter now is in Bradfield. Now we're having this conversation. And I wish that's something they introduced as a little bit of a, a, of a history class. You know, yeah. the United States is wonderful. History of the world is wonderful. But what about the history of this community? Really get to know your community. That's an excellent suggestion. You know, because I think a lot of these kids, and I remember myself as a child, you don't appreciate these things. Yeah. It's normal to mm-hmm. you, right? Right. If you're the son of a, of a billionaire, that lifestyle is normal to you. If you're poor, that lifestyle is normal. So I think teaching our kids to really appreciate where they live and how special it is, I think can only strengthen the community going forward. Well, I just toured TCU with my daughter last week, and I found it so fascinating that they have a frog camp for incoming new students, and they literally teach them about the Fort Worth community, about the zoo, about how the town operates, and just every little thing you can think of, and that really gives them the foundation, just exactly what you're saying, and I, I think you're onto something there. And how easy would it be to implement? You yeah. know, this is this is not, you don't need any... Um, PhD instructors to, to <laughs> teach that class. But I think w- as human beings, when, when we know something, there's a connection to it, right? If there's an object I've never seen before, I don't have a connection to it. But if I've seen it before and I know it's history, even in your house, you treat that differently. Right. You take care of it. So you I just think ha- have a little bit more respect for a it. A little bit more respect for it, exactly. And I think that's, we should, it's easy to lose respect. It's sure. very difficult to gain it back. Mm-hmm. So speaking of schools, I think it's so interesting how many schools we have in this little neighborhood of ours. We have five elementary schools, which I think is just crazy, but they're just wonderful schools. It's, it's incredible because it's not just a, you know, th- this community is unique because it really presents a choice, maybe kind of an, an even playing field between the public option and the private option, right? Most communities, Preston Hollow, Old Preston Hollow, they have uh, you know, public schools as well, but most of those people send their kids to uh, private schools. But in this community, you really have a competition almost between what the private schools are offering and what the public schools are offering. And I think, it, first of all, what an incredible choice to have for parents. 
but I was blown away when I started looking at just all the schools outside of um, ISD that are, that are there, the, the daycare programs, the, the preschools, the private schools. There might be 20, 30 schools sort of in the immediate vicinity of Isn't park cities. It's unbelievable. I mean, you literally can go from preschool to college without leaving the bubble. <laughs> and, and while that may be uh, fun, I don't recommend it. You've got to get out of the you. Bottle, you bubble to appreciate the bubble. Absolutely. Well, Eugene, you've done an excellent job of walking us through Highland Park and University Park, but I have always been curious about this one particular part of town that kind of sits in the middle of the two, and that's Volk Estates. So I always tell people, okay, when I drive them through, okay, this is where the super, super fancy rich people live. <laughs> How did this all come about? How did it come about? I mean, first of all, if anybody has not visited that area, it's an absolute must. It's incredible. It's like, like I said, it's one of those enclaves that has a different vibe, and it's it's special. If you need motivation for tomorrow or for today, that's the drive area. To, there. That's the area to drive through. Absolutely. So, from what I can remember, it was introduced right by a gentleman named Leonard Volk in the 1920s. The concept, like that, is state concept for University uh, Park. And then actually, um, if I remember correctly, a 1926 brochure for the estates was own your own estate. Oh. So it was very to the point. There was no, <laughs> he was not, he was not hinting. Uh, yeah. And it's, it's incredible and it's beautiful. And then if you're looking for a walk or especially a bike ride, wonderful. It's connected to Curtis Park, which you can kind of go right through there. Turtle, um, Turtle Creek Lane, Turtle Creek. Mm-hmm. and then right into the Volk Estates. Right. And then and you have the Love Statue, by the way, that kind of ties into that as well. And that? Because next to the Presbyterian Church, I re- I, if I remember correctly. Right, yeah. Island Park Presbyterian Church. And that Love Sculpture has an interesting story because it literally just came here in 2019, and it was donated by a couple, and there's and only like uh, less than 25 originals in the country. Exactly. And it kind of goes back to what you and I discussed. When you don't know the story, you look at it as, oh, it's a sculpture. But when you know that somebody just actually recently donated it and the history and the motivation and there's only a limited supply of these things in the United States, it stands out. Like every time you see it, you kind of remember the story. Right. And that park, um, I forgot the name of that park, that where it's kind of placed is absolutely gorgeous. That's another uh, phenomenal, uh, phenomenal area bordering DCC, but so I'm kind of trying to piece it together in my mind. So right. it's bordering the Dallas Country Club, which also has got a fascinating story. Right. It's the oldest country club in Texas. The oldest country club in Texas. But I think to me, the more fascinating aspect is that just like Mr. Armstrong had a vision for the city, his sons-in-law understood that to attract the kind of people they wanted to attract, a brochure wasn't enough. They needed to kind of bring something in to build a community around and they use the Dallas Country Club as basically a lure to get people, well-to-do individuals from other communities to move in and uh, become members and look what has grown into. Uh, now you can't become a member even if you want to. Back <laughs> in the day, it was the doors were wide open. <laughs> or if you want to wait for 20 years, maybe you have a chance. <laughs> Guys, I'm not feeling well. <laughs> I got five at most. I know. Yeah, it, it's crazy how long the wait list is there. But it's beautiful. I'm actually going there today for a La Fiesta tea. Are you? Yeah, so I'm excited. It's a beautiful country club. I have never been there. <laughs> but it looks wonderful from outside the fence. You will have to go. <laughs> you will definitely have to go. Well, it's something that I think is funny about Highland Park is I read in your report that there was a slogan that said, it's 10 degrees cooler in Highland Park. Yes. 
And uh, I guess that could be seen both ways, right? Kind of a temperature or a vibe. Well, uh, I, I feel like it really set the tone of the stereotype of people in our neighborhood that we still see today because it's, it's kind of arrogant. <laughs> oh, so you're seeing it as we're cooler than you, not yeah. that we're, the temperature is yeah, lower and it's more comfortable. Yeah, we live in this bubble and we are climate controlled and we can control the heat. <laughs> well, what I found interesting in doing the research is that um, Highland Park, well, why it's called named the park is obvious, but Highland, it's 130 feet above downtown Dallas. Oh, wow. You don't realize that, right? Kind of living right, in yeah. that, right? But it doesn't I think feel like it. It doesn't feel like that at all. I mean, maybe if you take everything off and <laughs> give, him, give us the view that uh, Mr. Armstrong had of just kind of hills, maybe right. it's more obvious, but that's actually Highland Park. Ah, the name, that's how I got the name. It's... You know, mostly parks. So I go. Twenty percent of the land was allocated to parks, and it's higher than downtown Dallas. And we're ten degrees cooler is actually a pretty interesting slogan because you could play it both ways. We're cooler than you, right? Or we have a more favorable climate. <laughs> <laughs> Come visit. Well, not in the summer. It's not, just hot. <laughs> be, being, you know, just being from New York, I realized that I, you know, you can't complain in the summer and in the winter because then you're just annoying. You're just complaining all the time. <laughs> I save all my complaints for the winter, <laughs> and I do no complaining in the summertime. And I think for the Texas heat, it's, it's, it's a good strategy. Well, I have noticed that Texans in general, that they do complain about the weather all year long. It's never good enough for them. It's too cold. It's too hot. You never yeah. hear them yeah. say, this is really good weather. I have the perfect <laughs> remedy for these guys. Move to New York City in like November, December, January. Spend the four months there. You will never complain again. That might shut them up. Exactly. There's, <laughs> you know, if you're complaining, you're a little spoiled. Move to New York City. They'll get you back in line quickly. Well, I remember one time being in Los Angeles, and a lady walked into the restaurant. She's like, oh, my God, it is so hot out there. And it was like 75 degrees. And I'm like, what the heck? This is such heaven to me. I mean, I love this weather. You, you, it, it goes back to the mayor. You could never please everybody, right? It's like somebody's always has an issue really with something, can't. no matter no. how great the idea is. Somebody's always yeah, complaining. There's always that one. Exactly. Okay, so we talked earlier about how 20% of the land is parks, and I think we have some of the most beautiful parks—not just one or two, but multiple ones. But one of my favorites is Lakeside Park. You see so many people out there taking photos on that bridge. Yep. I, I got to tell you, when we first moved to the area and we were kind of driving alongside it, you know, that little roadway by that runs with all the homes on one oh, side yeah. and the creek on the other. Yes, beautiful. By the way, can I ask just a side question? When you're driving down that road and you look to the right, it appears that the castle of Louis VIII appears <laughs> on the right-hand <laughs> side with this incredible <laughs> lawn that slopes away from it. I don't know who lives there, but sir... That is a beautiful home. It really is. It is a sight to be admired. We call it, um, you know, Louis VIII. <laughs> so, <laughs> but anyway, when we were kind of walking down that road, the first time we noticed that bridge, the Exel Lake Bridge, I believe it's called, we we're like, what is that? Because it kind of leads, when you don't know what it is, and you look across it, it leads into this little nook hidden little cave almost you almost feel like you're going through a portal or something you're going through it that's exactly (laughs) what we felt the first time we did it like where are narnia (laughs) where are we going and then you have the and then you discover the teddy bear uh park on the right hand side love that and you're like what is this Uh right will these things come alive and start you know (laughs) start speaking to me and that whole area is absolutely stunning and kind of doing the research, I realized or I found out that the teddy bears, uh, 
is a new thing. They were donated in 1996 by the Harlan Crow Harlan family. Crow, right. And I believe if I their estate is right next door. Mm-hmm. The gate to their backyard backs right up to that park. The backs right up to uh-huh. the park, exactly. And that, I mean, that that is a magical place. And anybody's looking to do like a little, um, to see something new and kind of do a little walk. The Exit Lake Bridge, Lakeside Park, in that little community, uh-huh. I forgot the name of it, but it, you know whatever that's called is absolutely incredible. Yeah, Nellie and I have done some photos with the bears before. Right? <laughs> yeah, and kids just love it. It is magical, like you said. Do you do they get dressed up for like Christmas ornaments, <laughs> like a red bow? I, I think that would be so cool. I don't. I have never noticed them have the bow, but that's a good idea too. Okay, so we got the teaching the Highland Park history. We, yeah. At the elementaries. And dress up the bears for Christmas. So we need to talk to Bear Margo and the school board, I think. <laughs> They're going to hate us. <laughs> Lots of great ideas. They're going to hate us. Well, Eugene, this has been such a pleasure. I really appreciate you sharing all of your knowledge and wisdom with us. Oh, Martha, thank you for having me. And this was so much fun. That's been another episode of the Bubble Lounge. I'm Martha Jackson, and we'll catch you next time.